It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Hello, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. It's great to be with you as always. You can live stream us on the internet. It's called LarryKudlowShow.com. LarryKudlowShow.com. Just go right to it. You hear us all across the country, around the world, and throughout the solar system. I'm so pleased our internet following around the solar system is growing by leaps and bounds. And boy, they can leap and bound without that gravity. Anyway, by the way, during the week, please join us, Fox Business Network, FBN. The name of that show is Cudlow, and it plays 4 to 5 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday. And if you can't make it at 4, you can call your favorite 9-year-old. No, no, you can text your favorite 9-year-old, who will show you how to DVR the show, and you will never miss a thing. I'm very hip to the technology revolution. You can text. Anyhow. Get all that ID stuff out of the way. Um, lots to do today, as always. Um, I know the media is heavy into the Queen Elizabeth passing story and uh, our new King Charles Third, And we'll get to that later. Uh, on the TV show, I had former uh, U.S. ambassador to the court of St. James, Woody Johnson, dear friend of mine, he was our ambassador for all four years during the Trump administration. He did one heck of a job, and he helped us out a lot talking about one thing or another. Woody, of course, is also uh, the CEO and president of the New York Jets football team. But I want to begin uh, here with a brief talk about 9-11. Okay, tomorrow's 9-11. And it was, of course, the worst domestic attack in the history of the United States. And, of course, it was a terrorist attack on the United States. And uh, roughly 3,000 people lost their lives. And countless others were injured and damaged as they tried to rescue those who were in the building, the buildings, uh, the first responders, the cops, the fire, the emergency uh, hospital people. It was a horrific, horrific hit. At the time, I was in my home office. I lived on the Upper East Side at that point. So I was not close to the buildings. I remember watching the um, watching the first plane hit. Uh, in those days, I was working for CNBC. I had my own show on CNBC uh, with Jim Cramer, my great pal. Um, wouldn't get to the studio until later in the day. But I watched the first plane hit. Immediately in my gut and my head, I said, this is a terrorist attack. Nobody was quite sure. I remember the late Mark Haynes was uh, anchoring the morning show in those days. And then, of course, uh, what, 10 or 20 minutes later, the second plane hit the second tower, and it was very, very clear that it was a terrorist hit. And I remember also uh, at that point, uh, they started calling people to get various opinions. I remember they dialed me up and I went on and I wound up getting back to the studios up in Anglewood Cliffs. It was a horrible day and the subsequent days were horrible days. But uh, of course, America survived as we do. We are the greatest country in the world. We are the greatest democracy in the world. We have the greatest military force in the world. 
Um, I don't know that I'm going to break any new ground. Uh, I was on briefly last night. John Katsimatidis uh, ran his show about 9-11, had many uh, distinguished people who were much more central to that story than, uh, than I was. But I will say this. A couple of points here, substantive points, I hope. Of course, point number one, we must never forget 9-11. Never. I fear, I fear that while nobody's forgotten it per se, it's so far back in our collective American mind that it doesn't pop up the way it should. Those were terrible, terrible days and caused quite a bunch of reverberations and consequences. And, of course, as I said earlier, lives lost and rescuers injured, damaged their health. And, of course, like many, I knew a bunch of people who were lost in those buildings. But we must never forget that. We must keep our guard up, you know. That's the key point to me. Keep our guard up. And I have a couple of thoughts on that. I mean, look, one of the thoughts staring us right in the face today and getting worse is the open border down in the southwest, the south, and Mexico, and Texas, Arizona, California, and all those states. Now, we've talked a lot about immigration on this show, and we will talk more about immigration on this show. There are a couple of million people, undocumented, illegal people, who have come to the United States. Joe Biden has completely reversed Donald Trump's policies. There is no more remain in Mexico. They're not building a wall, although I think at one point a few weeks ago I read that Biden was going to permit some small part of the wall to be worked on. So maybe he's going to go back on that. But Trump was right. Between Remain in Mexico and uh, the wall and, of course, the health uh, issues, which still have not been resolved. But what's going on down there with the human trafficking and, of course, the drug trafficking, fentanyl and all that, but the reality is the Mexican drug cartels own that border. And the second reality is our authorities, customs people, uh, have um, found terrorists who are not from Mexico or Latin, Central America, Latin America. They're on terrorist lists. You know, from someplace in Europe or in the Middle East. And we have to guard against that. We must guard against that. And, of course, there are many other reasons how kids are getting killed and drugs are penetrating the country. People get over the border. They go through some paperwork. It's supposed to show up at court later. They never do. It's catch and release, but it should be catch and deport. But my point this morning, I'm not going to go into a long riff about immigration, although I feel very strongly about it. My point this morning is that if you remember 9-11 and the terrorist actions and you remember 
how important the terrorist threat is, our southern border is a vital part of our defense. That's what I wish to say. I could add the northern border, too, with Canada, but I don't think that's anywhere near the problem. Nowhere's near the problem. So that's one point. A second point. We must strengthen all of our local police and related services, law enforcement services. We must. We've got to give them the revenues and the wherewithal and the capabilities and the training so that, God forbid, in another emergency situation with another attack, again, God forbid, but you know, it's one of the things we learn. You never know. We just have to give them as much help as we can. I mean, remember here in New York, you know, police, fire, health, EMS, all the first responders, all of them. Well, we've got, what is it, 5,000 fewer cops today because of the incredibly bad way they've been treated by de Blasio and now Hochul and all the rest of it. We have to defend the blue line. We have to defend the firefighters. We have to defend the EMS and so forth with more money. Make sure they're up to speed and training. That is so vital. Just in, And it's not just New York, for heaven's sakes. It's all across the country. These crazy left-wing radical woke types who want to defund the cops or you know, freeze the budget. Some of them are now turning tail, but they're not really for the cops. Defend the blue line. That's what I'm saying. That is another part of this story. Next, we must have the strongest military in the world. The strongest military in the world. Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, Coast Guard, etc. The strongest. And we are underfunding our military and our national security apparatus. We are underfunding them. In inflation-adjusted terms, they're barely breaking even. And budget deficits are a gigantic problem. I understand that. But this is a high priority. We must have always the strongest military in the world. Now, we do today, but we must keep up. Somebody said last night, this was on John Katsimatidis' show, uh, the Chinese Navy's got more ships than we do. That's not good. That's not good at all. It's not acceptable. We can't let that happen. We have the most advanced, modernized weapon system. But we must understand that defending against terrorism at home is partly about a strong military. And by the way, sometimes we have to go abroad and root out the terrorists ourselves. And we must be prepared for that. Some people don't agree with me on that, but I'm sorry. That is my view. George W. Bush made that very clear. George W. Bush, who is a personal friend of mine, I thought he was a much better president than 
some Republicans and conservatives would say today. He did what he had to do, particularly with respect to 9-11. And he said, we're going to have to go and get them. Now, I don't want prolonged invasions. All right? I, I don't want to run these countries. I understand the objections to that. But our military has ways and means of fabulous first strikes to take out terrorist camps, to take out terrorist leaders. These ways and means have been used by, well, it was used, of course, by George W. Bush, was used by Barack Obama, it was used by Donald Trump, and even recently by Joe Biden. So we have to be able to do that, but we have to have the strike force to do that. That is very, very important. Now, my final point on this is that the things I've described, border control, strengthening local police and fire and first responders and strengthening the military, that costs money. And we don't have much money, do we, in our federal fisc. But here's my last point. As a supply sider who started his government career under Ronald Reagan. I was a deputy at the Office of Management Budget Budget Office. The best way to get the resources to defend this country, the best way is to reignite economic growth. Reagan argued time and again that strength at home leads to strength abroad. Going all the way back to John F. Kennedy, who made the same case. Donald Trump made the same case. Strength at home leads to strength abroad. A strong economy at home delivers the resources necessary for a strong defense, military, and national security to give us leadership and strength abroad. Let us not forget that. And I will be critical of the Bidens because their big government socialism has weakened us at home. They have turned a boom into a bust and they will shortchange the military. Count on it. There's going to be a continuing resolution coming up and then maybe sometime we'll get into the budget deal for fiscal 23. Low taxes, minimal regulations, Open the energy spigots for everybody, including fossil fuels. These are just some of the ways. Let the free enterprise, free market, capitalist system work. Create incentives to work, invest, and take risks. Reward success. Do not penalize it. We are not a socialist economy. We are a capitalist economy, and the capitalist economy is the surest way to rescue poor people, middle-income folks, as well as the successful. And that will supply the resources to bolster the budgets for the police and the fire and the emergencies and the hospitals and the security forces, and the military. It all starts at home with free market capitalism, and we are in short supply of that free enterprise approach. 
And we're going to have to fix that if this country is going to regain strength. I will say to you this. God bless each and every person who died on 9-11. May they rest in peace. May the Lord watch over. May the Lord watch over this country. May we never forget 9-11. And may we never forget the crucial steps that will be necessary to protect us for as long as we are here. And that's going to be, I hope, forever. I'm Larry Kudlow. We'll take a quick break and be back in just a moment. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. Great to be with you. I'm going to move uh, from 9-11. I'm going to continue the point, as I said earlier. We need the resources. We need the economic resources, the productive resources, which will translate ultimately into sufficient budget revenues to support our defenses against another 9-11 type attack or, for that matter, any horrific attack from from the terrorists who hate us. And um, I want to talk about uh, Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, and the Biden administration in general. They're, they're launching, or yesterday Yellen was in uh, where Dearborn, Michigan, called Detroit. I haven't seen uh, President Biden do this. But, you know, they're out on the campaign trail talking about all their successful economic policies. And it's just utter nonsense. I mean, utter nonsense. They're calling it wonderful policies. And, uh, you know, this is part of that whole problem. Not only have they moved so far to the left and violated our free economy and our free market uh, system with strangling government regulations and the shutdown of fossil fuel, virtual shutdown of fossil fuel leasing and permitting at a time when we need, we need far, far, far more. But um, they've been spending and taxing at a rapid rate. I mean, look, here's this background. Just step back for a minute. Uh, Bidenomics, as I'll call it, took a non-inflationary boom left to them by Donald Trump. I mean, in the first quarter of 2021, I mean, actually in the fourth quarter of 2020, in the first quarter of 2021, the economy averaged about a 6% growth rate with less than 2% inflation. Gasoline prices were just a little bit above $2. Oil prices, I think, were, what, 60 bucks, something like that. And what they've done with it, with their high-spend, over-regulate, war against fossil fuels, excess money printing. I mean, what's happened here is we now, a little over a year later, that's all, a little over a year later, we've gone, what are you trying to tell me in the control room? I I can't hear you. Whatever you're trying to tell me, I can't hear. I guess I have a minute left. All right. So I'll summarize this in a minute left. 
What we have now is an economy that declined in the first half of the year, right? An inflation rate that's jumped up to about 8%, declining real wages, right? Average working folks are losing money, even though they have jobs, blessedly, and wages are rising after inflation, wages are falling. So I got to cut off. We had a little bit of miscommunication with the control room. I'll just start with that point. We have the great Judy Shelton, fabulous economist, coming up uh, right after the break. So stick around. We'll spit it out for you and get the whole analysis why Janet Yellen is wrong and why Janet Yellen has completely blown her reputation. I'm Larry Kudlow. Judy Shelton on the other side of the break. <laughs> 